How could anything be worse than this? What did they find? Oh, my God. The stars are going out. We found a body, sir. The doctor is dead. Donna, where are you going? It's not safe at night. Who are you? It's coming from across the stars and nothing can stop it. What is the darkness? Turn around! Show me your back! I've been pulled across from a different universe because every single universe is in danger. supposed to do powering up none of this was meant to happen you're gonna die but i can't die sorry welcome back everyone this is discussing who i am kyle jones and joining me always on this podcast let's start locally with clarence brown clarence how are you Yo, yo, doing good, man. Doing good. Happy to be on another episode as always, man. Well, glad to have you back and also glad to have back Lee Shackelford. Lee, how's it going? Okay. <laughs> I was just being reminded to silence my electronic device by, by suddenly getting a robocall from the Ukraine. Ah. <laughs> so if you just heard my phone ring in the background, being identified as it being from the Ukraine means that that is probably not somebody really calling me. Mm. I, maybe not. it's it's not impossible but i'm gonna say no speaking of robocalls my favorite robocalls are the ones that call and say hello you were calling to let you know that your warranty has expired yes i love to answer those and then like come up and make up cars and then you know when they ask me you know like a question like where did you where did you buy it and when did you get it i was like i don't know i just made it up and then you know let hear them hang up <laughs> Told you. man. <laughs> well, I mean, man, if I've just us. bought a car or you're calling and saying, well, we're calling about your warranty. Uh, uh, I don't need a, I mean, and then it's like, well, where are you calling from? Oh, well, we're calling from the place you bought it. Well, uh, duh. <laughs> yeah. And some of them are pretty sophisticated little AIs. They're, they are just programs running. There, there's one that's called Allison. And whenever I somebody she she calls says hello this is Allison I now say hello Allison are you a robot I'm a robot too can you be friends <laughs> for the news I mean I think that was news you know we're talking about yeah, harassing yeah. robot robot robocallers <laughs> but other than that Lee Shackelford have you had anything newsworthy lately <laughs> I wouldn't call it newsworthy but it is Doctor Who related I have been um, prowling around on uh, uh, the new offerings thanks to um, a different uh, cha- uh, streaming services that are out there. And I don't know if you noticed, but there's been an explosion of streaming apps. So there's now a whole bunch of new things and new offerings. So there's some big shuffling going around behind the scenes of some of these things. I, I, I don't, I can't pretend like I understand why or what's going on. But um, it, 10 years ago, the company in, or they are in Australia, I think they get the rights not to any of the Doctor Who characters by name except for K9. Yes. Okay. And, um, let's see. Uh, how many episodes of this series were there? Maybe like one, one series. Or, it's and- one season. Yeah. I'm looking to see, I think 29 episodes. I'm trying, anyway. But I was, but but uh, uh, several of us uh, on this show have talked about it and, and hated on it and um, been scornful of it. I, I I don't know what happened, but I started watching it again from the beginning, and I really like it. Oh no! Really? <laughs> yeah, I've really been enjoying Canine. So, just saying. Interesting. I know. I tried to watch the first episode and didn't make it to the second. Well, that's the thing. Maybe it it. Yeah. I don't know, but I'd be interested in hearing from other people listening to the show and hear, hear what they think about it. Because um, let's see, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the IMDb page. Yeah, they filmed they filmed it in uh, in Queensland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is it is a show for a younger audience, so you have to come to it with a a childlike mind. But um, yeah, hmm. anyway, it's just not as terrible. As I had somehow remembered, which is not, that's, that's not <laughs> ringing funny. endorsement there. That's not a ringing endorsement. No. <laughs> it's not as terrible as I thought. <laughs> there are parts of it that I quite like. It's semi-terrible, just it's, not it's quite almost, as terrible. <laughs> it's only semi-terrible. 
No, no. it is. It, it, uh, so that's all. all right, well, that, that's my big Doctor Who news of the week. All right. Well, since I always like to point people to our Facebook group, you can go to groups and look for discussing network. And this will be something that kind of will tie into our discussing comics uh, podcast. But Clarence, you mentioned something today on our a Facebook group that I did not know. So it looks like if I read it correctly, Sony and Marvel slash Disney have broken up over Spider-Man. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, that article, I think it's from Variety. Uh, if that's to be believed, uh, it seems like, you know, Tobey Maguire, not Tobey Maguire, <laughs> Tom Holland and Sony are taking Spider-Man and going a different way. And I d- just think that's sad because, you know, Spider-Man has been so integral to this last phase of, of Marvel uh, MCU. So it's kind of, kind of weird that they're going to let that go astray, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like, you wanting to go Sony, you're making money and you kind of flopped on the last Spider-Man. So, uh, what you thinking, you know? Yeah. The only thing I have for news, if anyone remembers back when we were reviewing this 11th episode, well, the 11th series, it was one of the episodes, this Tsungra conundrum. Uh, it's a conundrum trying to say that word, but there was a character in there that I thought was one of the highlights of the entire series 11, the Pating. And I remember saying, and I quote, I want a Pating. Well, I now have in my hand looking at me and on my desk, I have a Pating. My life's going to eat. It's going to eat your microphone. <laughs> I actually have a picture and I will post this on our um, in the on the website or in the show notes, but I actually have the pating a picture of the pating like he's about to eat one of the wires on the mic. So that's kind of sure. cool. I think that's enough on the news. So why don't we say if you have not seen Turn Left, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. So we are back to review Turn Left. It is the 11th episode of the 2008 series of Doctor Who. It starred Catherine Tate as Donna Noble. It featured in a Doctor Light episode David Tennant as the 10th Doctor and also featured the return of Billy Piper as Rose Tyler. It originally aired on the 21st of June 2008. So initial thoughts. So Clarence, why don't you take this first? Initial thoughts. What did you think of this episode? A beautiful 50 minutes of Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, Dr. Light episode. Um, fun, man. Dr. Uh, Zero episode. Dr. Zero. <laughs> this is a really good episode. This whole butterfly, butterfly effect thing going on where, you know, what if something changes just a little bit and we get to see that? And maybe what's most fun about the episode, they take the opportunity to, we relive scenes and episodes from a different point of view that, that, uh, from the past few seasons. And, and those made it fun as well as, uh, Catherine Tate's acting in this was phenomenal, phenomenal in this episode. And you mentioned Rose is just, just a excellent episode all around, man. What about you guys? All right. Lee Shackelford, what say ye? This is one of my favorite uh, episodes in all of New Who. And it was just such a, I don't know, such a delight to get to revisit it. Uh, I, I always like these what if stories. It's just an opportunity to explore kind of a, a dark alley in, in, in a world that we know. And I think as the, yeah, never mind. <laughs> as we, as the show goes on from here, we're going to get into this. You're the most important person in the world thing because you're, you know, uh, and beat it to death. And so it, here it is for the first time, and I love it. So I, I wish this had been also the end of it. But uh, I just got to echo what Clarence says: why this? Why Catherine Tate did win when a, a, the uh, the actress BAFTA for for this performance? I do not know. Uh, she's just amazing. Yeah. So th- those are my my overview takes about it. So for me, 
I watched this and I was thinking about when we saw Catherine Tate at Pensacon earlier this year and her making a reference that she assumed until recently that fans did not like her as Donna. And I'm watching this going, how could you not think fans wouldn't like you for this? This was brilliant. This was wonderful. This was fantastic. How could you even think that somebody wouldn't like you for for that? Because it was great. And I loved seeing Billy Piper come back, echoing what you guys said. I loved seeing the revisits to what we had already seen and the what if moment. And Lee, using that phrase was something that I had written down here as Marvel had a comic series that explored events similar to this, where Mm -hmm. as you see events from Marvel comics and ask the question, what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? What if Jean Grey had not died in as the Phoenix? What if Storm became the Phoenix, et cetera, and so forth and so on? I I thought this was a good what if type episode. Agreed. In in, uh, the second recent one for, I guess, well, maybe not what if, but, you know, the second episode of Donna living a different life that, you know, than the actual life that she lives, uh, that we know her for, um, the kind of alternate reality second, you know, the second episode, uh, since the library for her. So, so yeah, she's, she's all into these alternate reality things. No wonder she wanted to take a, um, vacation when they were on that planet. Yeah. Curious what you guys think of the villain of this episode, the tricksters brigade and the, the character that we see that's the tarot card reader and then, the, of course, the um, time beetle. And, Lee, why don't you take this one? What did you think of the Tricksters Brigade? I, it's – I had frankly forgotten about it before re- <laughs> watching it again because I, it just felt – it's just not what I remember about the episode. I remembered uh, the fortune teller and thinking, I know that voice, <laughs> and having to go look it up. And, and I was right. It's Chipo Chung. It's uh, – it's Chanto, right? Uh, so that was fun, but um, yeah, it's it's really it's another one of those stories where the where the 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 who is forgettable. It's the the what and how that makes this fascinating. The show should be called Doctor How. Uh, I don't know, but it's just um, yeah. It, it is a, it is a story about Donna. So how Donna gets into this situation or who is it who puts her into this situation? It seems almost immaterial. The fact is this is where she is. And and that's, what's interesting and memorable about it to me. Okay. So Clarence, what about you? What do you think? I have to totally agree with what Lee said. I do like how during the episode we had this, uh, or everybody looking at Donna as if they, there was something that they couldn't quite see. I thought that played well in the episode to drum up the, the suspense just a little bit. But, but yeah, as far as them overall, the enemy overall, I don't, I, I wish we would have got like a greater purpose from them. Um, but, but yeah, it's just, they're, uh, uh, just an invention for the story to play out. You know, I didn't know this until I was reading up for this episode that this fortune teller and the time beetle was part of something larger. And I, you know, now hear the um, 10th doctor or, or maybe it was Rose that was saying the tricksters, no, it was the 10th doctor after she returned to reality and said the tricksters brigade. And I, I guess I just didn't pay attention to that, but the trickster also appeared, I believe in an episode of Torchwood, but it was a recurring villain in the Sarah Jane adventure. So that's kind of cool. But the Beatle itself, it made me think of resolution for this year when someone had something on their back and going back to this. And I'm thinking, wow, technology slash budget has Mm -hmm. really changed (laughs) since 2008. And for us fans of the classic series, it had to remind you of the big spider on Sarah Jane's back in uh, Planet of the Spiders, where the effect is even less impressive. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's pretty clearly it's Elizabeth Slayton with a big foam rubber thing um, strapped to her back. But um, the uh, but yeah, so it is interesting that there's something connecting. Uh, there's a straight line you can draw from Planet of the Spiders to, to turn left to resolution. <laughs> Fantastic. Hmm. One thing I, I will say about the Time Beetles that I found to be interesting, they do share a similarity to the Weeping Angels in the sense of they feed off of time by changing time. You know, mm-hmm. so, so they, they, their sustenance comes from events that they can manipulate and change from its natural course of events, a la Weeping Angels, you know. Yeah, and, and in any other case, <laughs> according to the story, um, their victim would have been so insignificant that it wouldn't have, have had such a huge change on the outcome of the universe. It would have been small and almost not noticeable. Mm-hmm. But in this case, um, yeah, she's a very important lady, I guess. <laughs> well, speaking of, you know, small and not noticeable, I loved how when RTD was writing it at us, you know, and producing it as well as, you know, Moffat, of course, did this. But during the fires of Pompeii, one of the characters refers to Donna having something on her back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just a little one offline, but makes more sense after you've seen this. Yeah, it's, it's fun to, to realize that, you know, before you go into production, you have all these scripts on the table. And so that it's even possible if, you know, if, if he hasn't, they haven't shot fires at Pompeii yet and he's written the script for turn left that he could say, Oh, oh, that would be great. I've got characters who can see the future. I'll have her say something about. You know, go back in there and add that into that script. Mm-hmm. Uh, because um, one of the things we know about the production of this episode is that he wanted to have uh, Donna marry and have children in this alternate timeline. And that meanwhile, Steemo was writing Silence in the Library. Ah. And and as the showrunner, uh, RTD had that script. And so he said, ah, doggone it. We, we don't want to do it twice, you know. Let's <laughs> let's let her have her last temptation of Christ moment. Let's let let's let that happen and silence the library because we've got enough else going on in turn left. So let's. Uh, mm. So yeah, that's I, what happened to that. Yeah, yeah, I think that would have been too much. Yeah, you know, repeating. So let's go back and let's go through the changes. Of course, we know that the doctor dies in what we know as the Runaway Bride episode. The doctor actually doesn't have Donna there to stop him and he drowns and doesn't regenerate and is taken by unit to wherever, you know, he may be. We see, or we hear about, we don't actually see, we see that, or hear that Sarah Jane, Martha, Luke, Maria, and Clyde all die stopping the MRI machine with the Jadoon platoon and Lee Shackelford. Where was the Jadoon platoon located? You mean the Jadoon platoon up on the moon? I think you're right. <laughs> That's the one, yes. So we so we don't have Sarah Jane and her crew to, you know, back things up. Martha Jones doesn't survive, so that not having the doctor, we also lose Martha. We also lose most of London. The Buckingham Palace is destroyed by the spaceship Titanic. Yeah. So I want to go to Donna and her family being considered refugees. What did you guys think of the interactions between Donna and their host family or Donna and her family and their host family? Mm. Of course, it started as a very uncomfortable situation. Uh, but, um, I guess after the singing, I guess it was a pivot point. <laughs> they started to, <laughs> to just yeah. really latch on each other. And, um, you know, they're one big family now, you know, I know we'll get into it, but the part where they are separated, uh, where I guess is Rocco and family were separated, man, man, that was hard. That was freaking hard. Lee, what about you? What say you? Uh, uh, this is one of my favorite things about the episode. Uh, seriously, that I, uh, this gut punch moment when Wilf realizes that he's seen this before, but Britain wasn't the bad guys that time. It, it is one of my favorite things in, in, in this episode and maybe in, in, certainly in the season. It's 
And what's horrifying is about it is that it feels real that when you when you declare a state of emergency and you say all the laws are off the table right now, we're going to write new laws. And by the yeah. way, you don't get to you're not going to be involved in writing them. This is the kind of thing that happens historically. This is what happens. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, and it's and, and the, the community is divided right along, you know, uh, race and, and ethnicity lines. And that's. Doggone it. That's what happens. So there's all the, the white people out there saying, well, take the immigrants away. You know, they, they shouldn't have been yeah. here in the first place. Yeah. Right. Here we go. Yeah. And, you know, when you say England is only for the English. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's what you're if you go geographically, you're basically saying England is only OK for white people. Um, yes, because you know. they are an immigrant nation, and yeah, so when you it, it's it's a tautology to <laughs> England for the English. No, it's not a tautology; it's an oxymoron. And you know, it's uh, we we always dance with tra- with getting political here uh, because we know we have a very diverse audience. But I'm sorry, that is what "Make America Great" means, and it's what uh, "Deutschland über alles" meant. You know. Yeah. All of those are it's us and not you. Yeah, but but the us was diverse in the first place. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you you if you can't decipher the code by what we mean by us, then you're one of them. So. And, and another thing that was just simply wonderful about that scene was the resolve. Um, and I forget the guy. That's his name. Minigo. The guy that was leaving and his family. He was leaving with. He didn't lose an ounce of his joy. <laughs> nope. He he put on a face is just a, a, as good as the moment that Don and them arrived. He is indomitable. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And and that was just well, that made it so much <laughs> more difficult. To yes. Go. Yes. Because that to me made it so sad because I saw him doing the face of it's going to be OK but you look mm. in the eyes and know yeah. you know it's not. But he's it's putting not. on this face for Donna. Literally, you're putting on the face of resolution and of comfort for the person, not necessarily or the type of person, I should say, as far as physicality per se, that you are being sent to a labor camp for. Yeah. And that, to me, was very deep and made this a very thought-provoking episode. And again, you know, shout out to Catherine Tate and to this this great script is that the way Donna, the the very quick little evolution of her relationship with the with the Colasanto family yeah. is it's it's the capsule of of her whole arc of her going from being outraged at being inconvenienced to having her heart ripped out because she now cares about these people and yeah, and she feels like they're, they're taken out a part of her when they take the Colosantos away. It's, yeah. But you know what? I think you guys just helped me see something about Donna. And, you know, all of us, all three of us, different because we're different people, but all three of us, everyone listening to this podcast, every single one of us have something that we use as a defense mechanism. And mm. that defense mechanism may be when we're uncomfortable with a situation because every one of us is uncomfortable in a situation in some shape, form or fashion with Donna. I think her defense mechanism in those is to bark and be inconvenient, you know, convenient. She's co- confrontational and she's, you know, acting like, Oh, you know, sarcastic or whatever but i think that is a defense mechanism so that she doesn't get close to people i think that's, that's something I about the character right. mm-hmm. yep i think that's an excellent call it, it, it is what has kept her safe yes yes exactly exactly she, she feels it's kept her safe yeah um so, and and it's not who she really is so now we're going to get to find out who she really is yeah. And, and that's just like any of us. Our defense, once you get past the defense mechanism, whatever that may be, then you get to the person. That's right. You know, and what did you guys think of the interactions between the blonde headed lady? Because we never call her Rose properly, mm-hmm. but the blonde headed lady and Donna. What did you guys think of their 
building interaction as the story progressed. Hmm. What do yeah. you think about it? Yeah, I think this, the stakes uh, were raised each time they met, which I, I thought was interesting. Um, I would have wanted it to be more fun, but it was never fun between them two. It was all business. And what we eventually learned, it's, it's, it's the heavy weight is put on, you know, uh, Catherine Tate's shoulders, even though, um, I'm just trying to figure out, even though she doesn't really know what's going on, she has this hidden suspicion <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that more is going on around her. But, you know, for all the heaviness that's, that's put on her at the end, uh, by what Rose has requested of her, of her, uh, it, even she saw that it wasn't as heavy as the fate of the world. So, I mean, just, just everything between those two, it was, it was very hard for, for, uh, Catherine Tate's character. And it, I, I don't know. I, I wish we would have got more fun roles, but we never got that because it was all business for the whole episode, but it, it's what had to be done. So, mm. Lee, what about you? Um, same, same right down the line. I, 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 I it's, it's hard for me to, to untangle my sense of this as a writer, uh, as from a fan of the show, because, in some ways, Rose's function in the story is just to be exposition. You know, she's there to tell Donna what's going on. Yeah, true. Uh, but, but still, it's, um, she's still, uh, she's still Rose for heaven's sake. And so yeah. when she shows up, you know, it, it is like setting a bomb off in, in the show. Yeah. And, uh, and she's been teased, of course, throughout the, the season so far. So this is when it finally happens. And the doctor isn't there. So it's another one of these stories where the companion is forced to become the doctor. I, I just realized that as I was saying it, that yep. what happens is Rose turns up to say, you've got to be the doctor. Mm. And she's being the doctor by telling her to be the doctor. That's right. She's saying, this is what you do. You, <laughs> I, I know. And, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm the time traveler who's come to tell you what, what has to be. And, uh, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. You know, I, I agree with what you said, Lee, in regards to it being a story point or she served the purpose to tell the backstory and to push the story along as it needed to go. I'm seeing another what if where they used a random unit person that comes and says, you know, ma'am, you've got to come with us and we're going to tell you about the doctor and et cetera and so forth. I think from the fan perspective, not going that route and bringing Rose back for an episode prior to, you know, she's appearing because she could very well just have appeared in the scene where we're getting to in the next episode. And then you had that scene that we'll be talking about in the next episode. But you have this and I think it adds a layer to that, but yet she does serve the purpose that you're talking about. But I think for the fan service, you get to see Donna and Rose, even though they don't know who each other are at first, interact and then enrich what's to come. Yeah. Like also on, on, on Billy Piper real quick. Now I was wondering, did she have like mouth surgery or something? Because to me, she was talking a little funny. So, um, did, did you guys notice that or was it just me? Cause it sounds like she was kind of muddling her words just a little bit. Mm. I have a theory or actually what I think it is. And I guess that's a theory, but Lee, I'm curious to what mm-hmm. you say before I say it. It's, it's been a while since I've watched it, but the, if I remember right on the DVD, uh, Billy Piper is one of the people on the commentary track for this episode somebody's going to correct me about this but in any case on one of the on one of the episodes on which she is on the commentary track she talks about being away from playing rose and then coming back and not being sure how to do the this working class accent that she used to do that's not how billy piper talks and her having to sort of relearn it interesting so that hmm. was my quote unquote theory that i okay but yeah. but but which was going to lead into a question for Lee, which is how, okay, so I see Rose as jolting Billy Piper to stardom because I can't 
remember in my head normally that she already had a pop star following before she became Rose Tyler. So she already had a fan base before the Rose fan base. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the reasons why she's here, frankly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Point taken. So my question then becomes, how does one forget a character that they played for two series? (laughs) From an actor, I'm asking you as an actor. It's, it's easier than you think because it's, if it's not you, then it's, it's somebody else. And all these characters live inside our heads, but so do a lot of other things. And, uh, the subtleties and the nuances, it's, it's sort of like a suit that you have to get back into and, you know, look at yourself in the mirror and move around in. And, you know, you, you can't just show up on set one day and say, Oh, I remember this from two years ago. <laughs> uh, you know, not, not really. It, it depends on the character, of course, but it's, it's because she's Billy Piper. She's not Rose Tyler. That's yeah. What, that's yeah. what I have to like, knock, 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 knock. That's right. Yeah. Did, did you just knock? Yeah, I just Four hit. Times. Yeah, well, oh, did I really? On oh, my head, one, two, yeah, three, four. Oh, how cool! Yeah. <laughs> cool, uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> we're we're a little sensitive to that right now. Yeah, we are. Um, oh, we will be. We will be. But but yeah, the, you, you, I mean, you, you put your finger right on it. Uh, she, she's Billy Piper all the time. <laughs> yeah, and there used to be this time in the past when, from time to time, she was Rose, and right. now she's, she's got to dig that back up. It's yeah, it, yeah. So let's get to the point where we do determine the right or the left, meaning do I turn right or do I turn left? And my question that I want to pose to the both of you guys is, did watching this make you think any of people in general, their decisions of if I would have done that, then this would have, or what if I hadn't have done that, would this happen? Did either of you think about that or do that? Oh, yes. I mean, I think the longer you live, the more of that you get. And yeah. Cool. Cool. Did did you? Was that your experience? No, no, no. No, no, I did. I did. Mm -hmm. I interesting that I am going to prove what you just said Mm. to be 100 percent right, (laughs) because the first time I watched it, you know, in 2008, 10, 11 years ago, however long it's been. Loving. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but yeah, I do think a little bit more now of, oh, well, what ifs kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, I did. So we see Donna sent back in time to save Donna, basically. Mm-hmm. And we had been hearing all through the series that Donna was going to die. You know, there was this, what's going to happen to Donna. And we were thinking that Donna was going to die. And we see this Donna does indeed die. Do we think this cheapened this mystery of Donna dying? So Clarence, why don't you take that one? Do we, were you satisfied with this outcome for this version of Donna? I don't know if I felt the mystery of her dying so much. Um, throughout this series. So maybe that's something that, that I just missed or didn't really impact me that much. But I did, uh, but did she really die? But did she really, I mean, this is all a simulation, right? Um, she ceases to exist, right? Well, 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 she, somebody had to die there. Well, let, let me ask you this. Did you go back to the episodes that are mentioned here and look to see if you see any of these background things happening? I know it probably didn't, but that's just me. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess she did have to die. Uh, but I don't know. It was sad, but it really didn't impact her character because it was an alternate reality version of herself. So I don't know. Did she really die? Yes. What about you? What do you think? Because I have a, I have an opinion, but I'm curious, Lee. What do you think? I, it's one of the things I wanted was most eager to look at it again because I remember having sort of confused feelings about it the, the last time I watched this, uh, and I've seen it many times. Um, that it, it's it's not nailed down a hundred percent in the episode what it what it means to her to Donna to sacrifice herself the way she does. She's, she's reassured 
by rows and, you know, and unit that um, there's a Donna that will spawn. But I think it's also pretty clear it's not you. Yeah. So you're going to die. Yeah. And, you know, I took it as, and I think maybe I had read this on the internet, maybe in magazines or what at the time, but I think they had speculated and I think they dropped it in in episodes. I know that uh, in Silence of the Library and Forest of the Damned, and just for anyone listening, I now know how to spell forest. It's with one R. FYI. Mm-hmm. But having said that, there is a comment that River makes and she says, Oh, well, you're Donna Noble. And she says something like, I'm sorry. And then Donna's like, Well, where am I in the future? So I'm getting this speculation that something bad is going to happen to Donna. I, yeah. I was satisfied with what happened to this version of Donna because I thought it got or gave us the opportunity for the Donna that we know to continue. Yeah. Um, see what I got from what uh, river told her, I got more of a, it's going to be sad. What happens to you after Dr. Donna? That's what I got ah, from it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't yeah. really thinking about this in particular. I was thinking about later. On yeah. And that's what I thought too. Yeah. That, ah, yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, when, when she says, Oh, what happens to you? I think she means ultimately. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Ah. Mm. And she, of course, she can't tell her because then, yeah, you know, no, <laughs> no spoilers, she can't. right? We see, you know, history restored. Donna is saved by the doctor, no pun intended, and she then, you know, the thing falls from her back, and the fortune teller runs off and says, "What? What are you? What will you become?" Runs away. Donna starts to tell him about the woman. Do you think that he thought it was, I mean, do you think he was leading her to say, is it Rose? Is it Rose? Is it Rose? Cause that's how I felt. I felt like oh, yeah. he was leading yeah. that direction. Oh, absolutely. Okay. What did you, he, was, got- he wasn't thinking it was Joe Grant. <laughs> well, true. No, yeah, not Joe. <laughs> what did you guys think of this all of a sudden seeing, you know, the cloister are hearing the cloister bells and seeing everywhere you turn, bad wolf, bad wolf, bad wolf, bad wolf. Thoughts on that? Uh, for me, it was fun and just got me excited to see what happens next. Um, I just think it was just a good setup for the next episode. And of course, we kind of know why it's there because we, you know, we saw Rose in this episode. But, but yeah, it just got, got me excited for what's coming next. And then also the revelation that this impending darkness, uh, still is on its way. So yeah, it got me excited for, for the next episode. All right. Lee, what about you? Oh yeah. I, I, I just, it, it's visually exciting. It's, uh, you know, the, the sounds are exciting. It's, it, it is, it's just, uh, it's just good, good drama. Yes. Once again, Murray Gold, perfect accompaniment. Because you're right, it kind of got your, you know, heart rate up. It got your blood pumping. You were thinking, okay, yes, 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 yes. And, and, and it was like you said, visually, audio, everything just worked. Yeah. And I'll add that I loved how that little marketplace that they were in, um, just felt like it was a real lived in place. It felt fun. And, um, yeah, I loved how that came out on the screen. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Agree. Agree. Yeah. So curious, guys, before we get into our favorite scene and our favorite quote, any other points that you guys had written down that we haven't covered yet? Um, a question that occurs to me. Could you could you do it? Could I do what? Turn left. Yes. I, th- I, th- I think it's a, it's a profound question, I think. If, so wait, let me ask you then, because I said it so yeah. quickly. What mm-hmm. is the turn left? Well, if you if you keep if you turn to the right, then your life is going to go on the way it has been. If you turn left, you can make things better for everybody else, but not for you. Mm. And that's the choice she has. And you know, for for everybody who for for people who who don't like this character and who say that she's a you know a whiny irritant, she does it. She turns left. Mm. Okay, you you framed it very differently. So yeah, it's. Um, I think it's the big question, you know, and, and a lot of us, you know, we we will come to those kinds of crossroads in our lives. Maybe not maybe not on that scale, <laughs> but um, I hope not. But, uh, you know, the, the, a time comes in everybody's life, I think, when you can either choose to keep yourself comfortable or you can 
do what's actually right and it's going to cost you. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I was talking in, uh, at my church about this, uh, not too long ago and getting teary eyed as I do because I'm a, uh, cause I'm a patriotic nut, but it was, uh, <laughs> but it was 4th of July and I was talking about the moment that I could, I could point to you at a, to the exact moment in time when I suddenly became interested in American history and world history, which I had always thought was boring and stupid and pointless before. And I almost didn't get out of high school because I could not pass history classes because I didn't care because all those people were dead, you know, and all those mm-hmm. things happened in the past. Who cares? And my, my parents took me to, well, as a family, we went to Washington, D.C., and we went to the National Archives, and I stood there in the presence of the that faded piece of paper, the Declaration of Independence. And I stood there kind of squinting at the, the ink on the bottom of the page, realizing, like, and it was like being struck by lightning. All of these people whose names I'm reading, their hands touched this paper. Yeah. That, and this this is real, and this happened, and... And the reason why I'm there, standing there in this place looking at it, is because they did that. And when they did, they were committing an act of insurrection. They they were, you know, treasonous. <laughs> they were treasonous. It was treason. Yeah. And some of them did die for it. And many of them, their their fortunes were destroyed. It was it was a disaster for many of the men who signed that that piece of paper. But they did it because it was right. Uh, it, it is. It, it transformed me into somebody who is fascinated by American history and world history because the realization I am who I am and I enjoy the things I enjoy because they turned left, you know. Very well said. Thank you. You're welcome. I can't add anything else to that. <laughs> very, very. You've been listening to. <laughs> very well said. But I will, with the permission of the both of you. Move us on to our favorite scene, because once again, that was very well said. Favorite scene, gentlemen. Clarence, why don't you take this first? What was your favorite scene? Uh, Man, I think my favorite scene would have to be when uh, Rose is iterating to Donna how important she is. And Donna is just a (laughs) tip. And she can't believe that she could be important to anybody and she doesn't really know her greatness. She doesn't know how she's impacted the doctor. And of course, you know, as Lee said, this, this notion of importance is, is comes up again with other companions. But here, I just felt it. Catherine Tate's acting here was just phenomenal. I believed her. <laughs> I believed her. And, you know, no, hearing that she's so important when she she can't even uh, fathom that. I, I just I, I just love that scene. I thought it was well done, and, and you know, almost a tearjerker for me. And it went right into the second tearjerker, which is when they loaded up the family in the truck. So those was two scenes in a row where it's just like, oh man, y'all are really pulling at the heartstrings. Yes, 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 yeah. indeed. Lee, what say ye? Well, I've already spoken about it, but that, that moment of uh, taking Rocco and his family away and, uh, and his, his cheerful, jaunty smile, his, his, everything's going to be okay thing. And, and, and Wilf is just standing there, tears streaming down his face because he knows that, uh, they're not going to be okay. And he's saying it's all happening like it did before. It's, that's, that's a, such a knockout scene that yeah. there, there, there can't be, there can't be one that's more favorite for me in this episode than that. How about you? So I'm going to take it in a little bit different direction, and I'm going to actually take your comment of the turn left scene in just a little bit different direction. I'm going to say Donna sacrificing herself to save herself is Mm. my favorite scene. And the reason I worded it that way is, you know, one of the first things that Donna said to the doctor is sometimes you need someone to stop you, basically someone to save him from himself. And I thought that this was an interesting twist that she, she being Donna literally sacrifices herself to save a version of herself that she doesn't know might or might not be better. I, I guess I'm kind of being meta with this a little bit, but basically saying Sometimes we have to save ourselves from ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Mm. 
And, yeah. and that was to me kind of what she did here. She saved herself, not from herself, but, but she sacrificed herself. She did something for herself at, at the greater good for whatever that might be, but also to change herself in a way that she didn't know what it might be, but accepted that and literally gave her life for it. I just thought that that, that was beautifully done and Catherine Thanks. Tate did an awesome job at it. So favorite quote, and I'm, I'll take this one first. It's always ask you guys, I'll take this one first. And I'm going to say the scene that Clarence said as his favorite scene becomes my favorite quote. When Donna tells Rose, um, well, what do you keep telling me for? What am I supposed to do? I'm nothing special. I mean, I'm not. I'm nothing special. I'm a temp. I'm not even that. I'm nothing. And then Rose turned around and says, Donna Noble, you're the most important woman in the whole of creation. I, I just thought after hearing Donna say from the very beginning, I'm nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm basically worthless. And then for Rose to turn around and say, you're the most important woman in the whole of creation. That to me was just like a good choke, you know, get choke up about. So very good quote for there. So Clarence, what yeah. say you? What was your favorite quote? Uh, my favorite quote is going to be, as we see the UK going to ruins, uh, with who, uh, you know, brought his telescope along with him for the trip. I just wanted to mention that because I thought that was great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but as the UK goes to ruins, uh, he yells, um, uh, God bless America, thinking that America would save him. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the very next line, they flash to the news where he said, America in crisis. <laughs> and yeah. of course, the Adipos have pretty much, uh, you know, done their thing over there in America. So yeah, I, I, I love that little scene right there. It was great. <laughs> I had forgotten about that too. That is a fat <laughs> Americans joke and, uh, it lands pretty, pretty heavily. <laughs> <laughs> literally. It's, uh, literally. Uh, right. Yep. 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 <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And all of us who enjoy traveling in, uh, abroad, if you, you, you don't have to go far to sort of look around places besides here and go, Good Lord, we're fat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, in other words, it doesn't take much to figure out, oh, there's an American over there. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I see one of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quick sidebar. Uh, the first, uh, th this last time that we were in England, uh, uh, my wife and I sat down in a restaurant and the waiter came over and heard us talking, heard our voices, and uh, and paused and took back the menu he was about to give us, and he brought out a different menu. Wow. That had uh, meals with bigger portions. Mm. Uh, wow. Yes. You'll probably like this one better, he said. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. It's a favorite <laughs> quote. <laughs> this is a weird one. Mega side. <laughs> Uh, yes, no, you're right. Uh, yeah, that's right. I'll have the fish and chips, but I just want twice as many. Is that so hard? I just want twice as many. Um, I, I love this slide, and it's uh, it's a funny line, and it's the way Catherine Tate says it because this is exactly the kinds of characters that she played on her own show and so on. But I just it, it sort of tells her whole story about the way her mind works when um, when uh, uh, Chowdhury uh, is is going to fire everybody at, at the the company where she's temping and he says, I'm losing a fortune. And Donna's immediate response is to point to somebody else. And she says, well, sack one of the slots, sack Cliff. He just sits there. Don't know what he does all day. Sorry, Cliff. Sorry, Cliff. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sorry. What do you do all day? <laughs> oh man. She's I just fighting. love that. Actually, I'm not sorry. <laughs> there <Whoa>. she is. <laughs> Who typed this up? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so since we've sat here and laughed and talked and just had a lot of fun with this episode, I'm going to go out on a limb and guesstimate that we're going to rate this fairly highly. So I'm going to see if you guys prove me wrong. I'm going to start out with saying just because I had so much fun talking about it in this last hour and we had plenty to talk about with this episode i'm gonna give it a five so what say ye and lee why don't you take that first I, you took the proverbial words out of my mouth 
And what were those? Oh, well, what you just said. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We're just say it again, right? Well, sure. Go for it. I, I can't repeat them, but yeah. But yeah, but certainly five out of five because, yeah. All right. Well, I'm just going to say that that made it official and live. Woohoo. So, uh, Clarence Brown, what say you? Five out of five. Um, loved all of the traces of other episodes that we saw in this. Uh, again, Catherine Tate's performance was phenomenal. It was cool. It's cool as well seeing Wolf do his thing, uh, with his little telescope there. Always fun. Yeah. I, I have no complaints. No complaints. Wonderful episode. Yes. Five out of five. Yes. And I thought it was a great, great, great transition into the two part finale. So excited. And I'm curious as for everyone listening, what you thought of the episode. So send us some feedback. We will play it on air. And also, if you would like, and we would definitely appreciate it. If you listen to us on Apple, a podcast, go to what is now still called iTunes, because I think they're splitting up iTunes, but it's still called iTunes. So go to iTunes and <laughs> leave us a rating, leave us a five-star review. We would definitely appreciate it. And if you leave us a review, we will definitely also read that on the air. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?